What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the All Things Reconsidered podcast. As always, I am Brandon. I'm Joey. And we are here to uh, talk to you guys about some stuff. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. We're, today we're doing another round of the mystery mug. The mystery mug. We figured out a name for it since the last time we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. Basically, if you haven't seen the last episode, which you should, and I know all of you guys are super dedicated fans who watch every single episode. Yeah. So I'm sure you've seen it. But so there's really no reason for us to go over this. But for the new just, people. Just for the newbies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're new here, it's like at a church. If the visitors could just raise just their hand and... Stick your hand up. <laughs> stick your hand up so we know that you're here. We'll give you a gift over at the guest central yep. booth. Uh, <laughs> but if you are new, what we do uh, sometimes is we pull top out of this mug right here and whatever it is we talk about it yep completely impromptu without much uh, preparation at all it's nice and, and easy uh, it's a lot of fun so that's gonna be great but before we get into that i want to talk to you about something really near and dear to my heart oh joe what, what would you like to speak about you know man i am really disheartened lately and hurt because famous music review site maybe magazine too i'm not sure uh pitchfork Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They randomly, at the start of this month, reviewed Jesus Freak by DC Talk. Oh. Yeah, which came out, you know, what, like 15 years ago? I don't know. Uh, Joe, it came out way longer than 20 years, years ago. ago. I don't Let's know. I can't remember. Um, I think it came out in 93, uh, so 28 years. But if you think it came out in 93, <laughs> you said 15 years ago. I How old think, do you I think I am? I had to think about it, all right? All right, give me a break. Anyway, uh they reviewed it. Now, Pitchfork is famous for, for being one of these music review guys, and they're also famously kind of mean. Sure. And they uh, didn't pull punches. Quick uh, quick interjection. Jesus Freak, the uh-huh. album released in 1995. Oh, 95. 1995. Okay. okay, well, interesting. So it's a little bit younger than we are then. Um, but so Pitchfork reviewed it, <laughs> and they were pretty mean. They said Toby Mac was a pipsqueak rapper <laughs> and get this they gave they gave the album a 6.7 out of 10 out of 10 uh, that's not bad not bad until you scroll down and see the very next album they reviewed was a peppa pig sing-along album <laughs> which got a 6.5 <laughs> so jesus freak the like premier christian rock album that like completely the defined the genre essential yeah, album the, for joey yeah for my life a- Teenager still used in, in youth groups today, right? It's only zero point two percent better than <laughs> Peppa Pig sing along, <laughs> which I mean I, I get it, I get it. I mean Peppa Pig's pretty dope. I gotta hear that album, honestly. I'm Daddy Pig. <laughs> if there's a Peppa Pig album that is only zero point two less than Jesus Freak, it must be pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, I mean maybe they sing in the light. Who knows? I don't know. I mean I could hope so. I. I, I certainly hope so. So that was an interesting and uh, fun thing to see. And I, I feel bad for Toby being called a pipsqueak, but, you know, I can, I can see it. Yeah. In, uh, in other news, um, if you are watching the video version of the podcast, you can see that we have our logo now. We're really doubling down on the lava lamp aesthetic. Yeah, I love lava lamps. Oh. <laughs> I don't even care. <laughs> so um, something I'm kind of excited about. It's going to be kind of weird, not going to lie, uh, for me and Joey and probably all the viewers. But uh, we're still working on getting our space really kind of like dialed in on yeah. how we want it to feel. So yeah. uh, feel free to drop in the comments down below mm-hmm. the differences between last week and this week. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> like a little spot, spot, spot the difference. The difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, that's fun. And there'll probably be more changes. We're probably. getting We're getting new chairs, a new table. We're yep. trying to, we're, we're going to try some stuff out. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, but 
Also, for our audio-only listeners, you probably can tell the difference because we got these new Rode microphones. Yes, we did. Yeah, Rode, sponsor us, please. Please. That'd be really nice. Uh, contact information will be in the description. We do great things here. We make fun of Toby Mac. We we rant about purity culture books. I don't know. And just bad biblical mm-hmm. interpretations. Yeah, but a lot of making fun of Toby Mac. A lot of making fun of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, uh, or more of making fun of Toby Mac's culture, I think is yeah, better way to say. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Well, Brandon, what else did you want to talk about before we get into the mystery mug? Well, Joey, have you ever heard the phrase, live by the sword, die by the sword? Yes, I believe uh, God said that. Yeah, you know, similar. <laughs> um, well, the religious right mm-hmm. is really feeling the effects of live by the sword, die by the sword. Yes, okay. they are. QAnon mm-hmm. has now turned their attention towards... The prophets. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy air quotes around the word prophets. I, I can't say I didn't see this coming. Like, and I'm, It was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. So I thought this was hilarious. So QAnon uh, is now going after some of these premier evangelical leaders. Sure. Um, and it's so funny to me because most of QAnon's base is this interesting mix of like rabid Trump supporting internet trolls. Right. And evangelicals. Right. And there's a whole conversation there about how gullible some Christians have become and how easily swept up in conspiracy theory we are. Which is so funny to me because, um, you know, we are a Christian podcast, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you look at Proverbs, and Proverbs is an entire book about wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so much of it talks about how wisdom is crying out in the streets and how yeah. wisdom wants to be found. And that's the funny thing, too. Is Proverbs 31 isn't talking about a literal woman. Yeah. It's talking about wisdom. Right, right. You know, all throughout Proverbs, you know, they talk about wisdom as though it were a woman. Right. Okay. And so I think it's so funny because I think it's Proverbs uh, Proverbs 7 talks yeah. about, like, the prostitute will, like, come out and, like, sweep you up and, like, will you say, you know, I don't have a husband at home and, like, you know just draw these people in because of how willing she is to give herself away Mm -hmm. and how wisdom is like, well, you have to come find me. Like I will be crying out in the streets. Like I want you to, I want you to find me, but I'm not going to run out and grab you. Right. Like this prostitute. Yeah. And uh, that's really kind of what uh, Christians have fallen into with QAnon is like, they found this like culture of like, Oh my God, this is hard hitting. Like it's Mm -hmm. nasty. Like this Mm -hmm. is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's Mm -hmm. literally exactly what Proverbs is warning you against. Exactly. It also is, eerily similar to Gnosticism. Yeah. Which the apostles were repeatedly calling out as heresy. Right. When you read the New Testament and they talk about false prophets or another gospel, they're referring to the Gnostics. Right. And their whole thing was that they believed that they had secret knowledge that no one else had. So they would present like, we know the secrets, we have the secret knowledge, we found the hidden meaning, and no one else has this. Mm -hmm. And that is what this QAnon in like... (laughs) <laughs> QAnon obsessed evangelical group is doing. Yeah, they're essentially believing that they have access to some hidden meaning. That every little thing that Trump ever tweeted, every little thing that happened on the news, right. from his Kofifi thing, you know, yep. the the which was probably just like fat fingering a, a few keys on his yep. phone. From that to to like the whole election scenario, they they think it all means something else. Yeah, they have the hidden knowledge. I remember last year, uh, I believe it was the Air Force mm-hmm. who put out a tweet. Yeah, and uh, it was like you know, is a is a cryptogram tweet, right? 
and people are like trying to figure out like, oh, what does this mean? Like right, there's gotta right. be some sort of deeper meaning. Like they're sending out like a hidden message, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And if you put it through a simple cipher, <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, look into joining the cryptology program oh, nice. for the air force, you know, nice, like, nice. so they're looking for yeah, that's cryptographers. Cool. Yeah. But people are like, this is a sign of like when Trump is mm-hmm. going to be instated. Like, you know, the air force knows what's going on. Like they're trying to put, you know, yeah. notices out there for yeah. people to find. And yeah, I'm like, of course, or if you put it through a simple cipher, you'll mm-hmm. see that it, you know, clearly if that's it's a marketing tool, if that's what you came up with by looking at the tweet, I don't think they were trying to reach you. Right. Or, or right they don't yeah. want you to join. They don't <laughs> yeah, want you to exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the, now, like we were saying, they've gone after evangelical leaders, people like Joel Osteen, yep. TD Jakes, um, basically any of the big names, I think like Preplo dollar, like right. any of the big TV preachers are just big names like Rick Warren. Like yep. all of these pastors are being called out by QAnon crazies yeah. as, um, you know, well, I don't know if we should say the actual word because YouTube doesn't like that word. Right. But um, people... Deviants. That, yeah, deviants. Yeah. Bozos, as the mm-hmm. uh, New York Post would call them. Oh, right. Um, which is just interesting to me. So it's like they, they've totally turned on them. And then also you have this one guy, Johnny Enlow. Have you yep. heard of him? I have. So he and his wife are some of the biggest Trump prophets out there. Correct. And they, they've they ticked me off on numerous occasions. But the funny thing that happened is they were on, um, I think, the Elijah List or perhaps sure. Flashpoint. One of these one of it's probably guys. A Flashpoint is a big one. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I know I've seen their name on there before. Yeah, yeah. It, might have, it could have been that or Elijah List. But they were on where he was saying, they, they asked him again, like, so when's Trump going to be instated? What, right. when, when's he going to be president? Because you got to understand, these prophets keep moving the goalposts. They'd say, oh, it's going to be once the Supreme Court counts the votes or, right. or Congress counts the vote, whatever. And it's going to be after, you know, on January 6th. Or, yep. Mike Pence is going to overturn it. Yeah, yeah. And they kept pushing it back. And then for some reason. March 4th. March 4th is a big one. And then for some reason, August has been a month for I think that. July 4th was a big one too. July because they're 4th. like 4th of July, yeah. freedom from the lie. Right. All they yep. always, it's always the next month. Yep. And then when that doesn't happen, it moves back again. So they, yeah. they talked to Johnny Enlow on the show and they said, so, so when's it going to happen now? You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and he, he wised up and stopped giving further dates by saying, God isn't telling me anymore because he doesn't want the devil to know his plan. Correct. So he's saying, I can't tell you the plan now because then the devil will hear it and he will fight. He'll see to it that doesn't happen. Yeah. Which tells me everything I need to know about what they think of God and the devil yep. and what they think prophecy is. Right. I mean, so let me just understand this. So all throughout the Old Testament are prophecies about the Messiah. Yep. So God had no problem letting the devil know about his plans. The literal <laughs> coming of Jesus right. to set the entire cosmos free yeah. from the wages of sin. Mm-hmm. He God had, was not concerned about the devil knowing. He didn't care if death itself knew how death itself would be defeated. Right. But heaven forbid that the devil hear how Trump is going to get back in office. Correct. That's something that God can't allow him to know. Right. That's a big old. <laughs> exactly. I just, I just don't understand. Like, how powerful do you think the devil? How weak do you think God is? And, yeah. And is that what prophecy is to you? Just like, oh, well, this is what God wants to do, but He might not get to if the devil finds out. Right. I, I That's just, never been a thing. It's never been a thing. I, I could just ramble about that the whole time, but and uh, it's and so it's funny. so funny to me because QAnon is huge about you know Trump getting back in office and right. all these different things. Right. And so you have prophets prophesying these things, and so they have latched on mm-hmm. to QAnon conspiracy theories. Yes. Like most of their prophecies mm-hmm. are really just. 
QAnon post yeah. being regurgitated as prophecy. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I don't say I love it because I hate whenever people get lied on like this because right. it really can like not just damage your career but like your entire life. Yeah, but so, uh, some of these guys have lost the right to a good career though. To be honest, yeah, no, that's true. Um, but uh, they've turned their attention towards some of these big time leaders mm-hmm. and have been saying things like, "Oh, look, he's walking outside with his daughter in red shoes," yes. meaning his daughter is uh, available for purchase. Yes. And red we'll leave shoes. it there. Red shoes. Just because she's walking outside in red shoes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, these are the same people that they would argue and say, oh, my God, like, yes, Hillary Clinton is trying to sell her children. Yes. I agree. You know, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is part of this, you know, this down low mm-hmm. underground ring. Yeah. And Tom now Hanks they're saying, yeah, Tom Hanks was a big one. Yeah. Now they're saying, now these same QAnon people are pointing at these prophets yeah. and these Christian leaders saying, you're part of it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I find it interesting that these same Christian leaders aren't coming out and speaking against it now that it's pointed at them. Mm-hmm. But whenever it's pointed at, you know, the liberal Democrats, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were quick to jump on it and agree with it. Exactly. It is honestly, and, and like, I don't like using overly spiritual terms when I don't need to because sometimes I think it gets overused. Sure. But that is actually a demonic situation. Oh, yeah. They, and I don't mean like there are demons and, and spirits flying around. What right. I mean is that the actual biblical understanding of what demonic means uh, is this sort of manipulative, this sort of backstab, this accusatory right. spirit. I mean, the word Satan means accuser. Right. So when I say it's demonic, I mean that it is that accusing of evil yeah. and that lying about someone and that's what they were doing and how it's happening to them right so i find it again live by the sword die by the sword do you think this will finally change anything i mean on the one hand we have trump continuing to not be in office and every time they put out a date it just keeps not happening right so you have their prophecies continually not coming true Mm -hmm. and now you have QAnon turning on them do you think anything will change or are we just going to keep tripling down so these conspiracies the only thing that I think may happen mm-hmm. is they might finally stop talking. Yeah, maybe. I don't think that there will be any redactions of things that they have said, mm-hmm. but I think they'll be saying less. Well, you know, they live. we live in different realities yeah. from some people. They get in these social media bubbles where the algorithms present only what they want to see. Right. And so there, it's, it's almost like there's no way out. Right. If you have family members who are deep into Q... There's sometimes like no way out in their social media because that's what the algorithm knows they interact with. Exactly. And so they just keep seeing nothing but that. Yep. You get stuck in those echo chambers. Exactly. And, And we have some people who don't even go to real churches anymore. Because they can't find a church crazy enough and talking about politics. Right. So instead they stay home and get on just online communities with these Trump prophets. Right. Oh, I'm not going to go to a real church. I'm just going to watch Hank Kuhneman yell about Biden. Right. I'm going to watch Greg Locke scream about tunnels under the White House. Yep. I'm going to call that church. I have no community. I have no any sort of liturgical understanding of worship. I have no prayer life other than ranting about Hillary Clinton. Right. And we're going to call that a walk with God. Right. It's, it's sad. And I don't know how to pull people out of that. Yeah. And honestly, I think this is a good point to kind of plug this in here. Um, it's kind of random, but it's Mm -hmm. something that I've been wanting to address for a while now. Um, people ask us where we go to church. Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, and honestly, you know, we do go to Hope Elementary Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yep. We've had a lot of people ask, you know, say like, you know, think that this is the official podcast of the church. Which is silly to me. Which is very silly to me. Do you really think a church would, like, settle for... 
this. <laughs> yeah. Give me a break. We've, we've recorded in Joey's office and now my sunroom. Yeah. So. I mean, we have Carmen up on the shelf back there. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not trying, <laughs> we have a lava lamp. We're not trying to be extremely serious. Yeah. We start most episodes by saying we're not experts. Have right. you ever heard a church do that? Right. <laughs> like, welcome to our church. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, normally, they don't do that. So, you know, we love our church. We love the leadership there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, both Joey and I are heavily involved. I'm one of the worship leaders there. Yeah. Um, but we don't speak for the church yeah, yeah. on anything exactly. in this podcast, except for love people. Yeah. Like, we, we are entirely separate entities. So don't, if we say something ridiculous, don't think the church backed that. Right. And if we say something awesome, then, you know. Maybe they did, but right. we don't represent them. Yeah, just assume that these are mine and Joey's thoughts because yeah, these are mine and Joey's thoughts. And they're also subject to change. G- correct. A big factor of deconstruction is understanding that faith is fluid. Right. And that faith is something that needs to evolve. Right. And so if I say one thing on this microphone this episode, I very well, a few episodes from now, might disagree right we could go back and listen and be like oh my god what were we thinking yeah but you know what i'm not going to be embarrassed by that you know i even had someone ask me one time they're like they said that they don't want to do podcasting um i was trying to talk them into it and they're like i don't want to do it because i don't want to say something on a microphone that later i I regret that i don't agree with and what i told what i said was you know that's actually something that i'd be perfectly happy with happening right I, I want that to happen yeah because we can't we have to normalize changing your mind when you get more information and when you right. grow and that being okay right if, if if i change my mind sometime about something i said i'm not going to get embarrassed and like remove the episode or exactly whatever. i'm gonna be like no look see i changed my mind and that's okay right that's what faith is it's it, it's growth it's fluid it, it can evolve yeah one of my favorite things about the church is we're encouraged to have a podcast like yes. this you yeah. know they are intimidated by the fact that me and Joey don't agree with every single word. Exactly. Be- they aren't intimidated by the fact that me and Joey have a podcast where we're sharing our thoughts and feelings and theological thinkings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Our church is very much uh, diverse yeah. in basically every way, um, including diversity of thought and theological opinion. Right. There's some people in our church who are more on the fundies, fundamentalist uh, segment closer to that end anyway. Right. And there's some people in our church who are more on the progressive segment. And both camps can come together and serve our church and worship together and be happy. Right. And it's, find community together. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, it's almost like the real Christians. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, almost like our church yeah. is forming actual Christians. Yeah, amazing. Huh? So, so all that to say, our church is very theologically diverse. Yep. And so we don't represent them. And, and that's, that's okay. fine. Yeah. And, uh, and, the reason I bring that up too is because Joey talked about, you know, these people are finding just these crazy radical people online and calling yeah. it their church. Yeah. If you are looking at getting back into church, mm-hmm. it is not always about finding people that agree with every single thing that you think. Exactly. It's all about finding a community mm-hmm. that allows you to think the way you do mm-hmm. and will encourage disagreement in a healthy way. Yes, exactly. Because no one person has entirely 100% perfect theology or like a monopoly right. theological thought. Right. You know, if, if I disagree with our pastor on this or that, um, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing, you know, a Calvinist can be friends with a universalist right. and they can still worship God and disagree about some things, but that's okay. Right. Um, so yeah, you don't have to agree with every little thing about your church. Yeah. You just have to find a church that feels like home. Yeah, and find a church that is okay with you not agreeing with every little thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when you're at home, you don't agree with everything your siblings or your parents right. say. You're all 
individuals are all different, but right. you're home and that's what your church should feel like. Right. So make sure like just find a community that feels like family. Yes. And just jump in mm-hmm. and, you know, become family with them. Right. Because that'll help you grow. That'll help you, you know, be encouraged. You know, that's my biggest thing about the church is it should be a place where we are encouraged to go deeper in God and mm-hmm. our thoughts about God. Exactly. I think one of, I think this is so important because like we were saying before, you know, these people who get fall who fall into like Christian conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. they do so because they are stuck in echo chambers. Exactly. Where all they hear is their own thoughts just reworded. Exactly. And it's it's what the Bible refers to as people with itching ears. Yep. Who just want to hear exactly what they want to hear to scratch the itch, you know, to tickle their yep. ears. Um and, and they're not actually hearing they, they reject anything that is something they don't want. And so then you get into this like um confirmation bias. Right. Um and, and that's super unhealthy. So you should go to a church where um where you hear different opinions. Yeah. Um, anyway, and that, that includes theological opinions, political opinions, yep. all, anything like that. Um, but anyway, we should probably move on. Yeah, let's move on. And welcome to the Mystery Mug segment of the All Things We Considered podcast. That was we are so coming cool. into <laughs> this week's uh, time in the mug. Time in so the mug. Let's get it. <laughs> that was so, you didn't tell me we had something like that. That th- that's awesome. Did you not know about that button? I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know. Well, aren't we official? All right, Brandon, why don't you go first? See what All you right, find, so, and uh, oh. let me just tell you guys, like I did last time, uh, some of these topics are things that we get asked about in comments a lot. Uh, some of them are just things that we want to talk about, but feel like don't make up enough of, for one full episode Correct. about it. Uh, so they could be, paper. yeah. So they could just be about anything, um, and we'll see what we get. I think this is a new one. What is one thing you've changed your mind about since Bible college? All right. Let me, uh, Brandon, why don't you start? Well, okay. <laughs> um, oh, man, there's been a whole lot that I've changed my mind about since Bible college. Yeah. A yeah. whole lot. Yeah. So we both went to the same Bible college. Mm-hmm. And although we have great memories there, we've learned a lot. And, um, you know, we honor that that place. We've changed a ton. Oh, yeah. Since then. And um, I even think they've changed a ton, too. Oh, yeah, I think so. And so we're not, we don't see eye to eye uh, theologically. And that's okay. Um, but it's just not where we're at anymore. Right. One of the things that I changed my mind on completely um, is the idea that a good Christian is a Republican. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The idea that bas- the merging, essentially, of right-leaning politics with Christianity. Right. Um, and it, it always happened, not just at the Bible college, but really any evangelical sure. yep. place. It, it happens in a way where it's not even like ex- expressly stated. It's just understood. Yeah, right. You know, there's no such thing as a Democrat Christian, essentially. Right. And if you are a Christian, you have to vote exactly this way. You know, and any sort of disagreement with it makes you the pariah. Yeah. You know, it, make, it can get you blackballed. It can get you... You know, yeah, uh, and there's some things at, at our school that I'm not happy to hear about at all. You know, sure. like the handling of Black Lives Matter, right? The handling of George Floyd's uh, death, his murder, um, and it's just very disheartening. Yeah, to see um, the way that right-leaning politics is elevated as <laughs> like biblical status. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but that's one thing for me, and I, not to say that I'm a liberal now. Just yeah. to, just to say that I'm not obsessed with like right right leaning politics right um, you know I am I, I do generally tend more liberal on different topics but 
I, I'm not like a, a fanboy of, of Democrats either. Yeah. I've just, I feel like gone away from that tribalism and that obsession with politics. Right. So that's one thing for me. Also, I'd say biblicism, but that's another topic. But what about you, man? Um, I think for me, something that I've changed my mind about would be not having to have an answer to every question. Mm, yeah, um, for sure. Apologetics wasn't a huge part of you know our curriculum when yeah. we were there, but it definitely was. Again, it's kind of a kind of an implied thing. Yeah, where you know. We just have to know. We have to have a response to every question. We yes. have to, you know, have a thought on every issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for me, that very much comes in the form of how the church deals with the homosexual community. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's not even, again, for me, I'm still figuring out where I land on a lot of, you know, the theological side of that topic. Mm-hmm. But I know we haven't handled our relationship with the LGBTQ community correctly. Oh, yeah. I know we've not treated them like people correctly. Yeah. And I think for me, a big part of it too was moving away from a super small town Mm -hmm. and being exposed to actual people. For sure. It's a whole lot easier to talk about hypothetically Mm -hmm. if you encounter someone who identifies as a gay person, this is how you need to deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a whole other thing whenever your coworker is a homosexual and he's one of the nicest people that you've ever met in your entire life. Mm -hmm. And he's not that evil gay guy that you were preached about. Well, you, you broke out of tribalism. Exactly. You broke out of this us versus them. Right. You know, where they're the, the evil with the, the gay agenda, the liberal agenda, the, right. you know, this and that. Um, um, I, I'm there with you, man. And then I think a big thing for me too is, is Bible literalism. Yes. Because yes. I, that was huge. That, that's huge at our school. Yeah. I wasn't like, again, I wasn't raised a Christian. So the whole, seven-day creation story being literal wasn't something that, like, I believed deep in my bones for yeah. my entire life growing yeah. up. Yeah. But then you go to Bible college where they believe every word in the Bible is literal fact. Yeah. It is yeah. literal scientific fact. Mm-hmm. It is literal historical fact. Yeah, because the Bible has authority to speak into science. Right. And so... Yeah. That's what they say. I mean, it's it's hard not to just want to lean that way because the people that you're looking to mm-hmm. to teach you that you paid money to teach you, that's what they believe. Yeah. And so getting away from that and thinking, okay, the Bible can be truth without being literal fact. Yes. And, is and, a huge thing. And not only do they present that as what they believe, but like you said, they, they present it as this is the right answer. Right. We know for a fact and there's no room for debate. Right. So it's not just that the teacher said, well, I read it literally. It's that the teachers are saying, that's how all of you that is how it is to read, be read. It. it. There's no other way. And if you do read it differently, we're going to, Come down on you, you know. We're yep. gonna we're gonna go after that, um, and, and that that's that very sharp, uh, aggressive stance towards their opinions. Yep, at, where their opinions were basically elevated as as just fact without any room for debate. Right. Um, but yeah, Bible literalism was huge for me too. Yeah. Um, so, but we do still have great memories from that. Place. Oh, we sure do. We learned a lot of good stuff too. Oh yeah. You know, we, oh, we yeah. may not be Bible literalists or Republican obsessed or right. or all this other things, um, but. You know, we did learn a lot of good stuff. There. I would honestly say, like, probably some of the most impactful things for me, even though, like, I may view prayer differently now, especially in the past couple months, mm-hmm. but, like, morning prayer for me yeah, was probably one of the most impactful things. Yeah. Because, you yeah. know, you have a hundred people in the same room all, like, believing God for something. Oh, it yeah. just very much builds that communal aspect yes. of going after God together. Yes. And so, like, that was something that was, I mean, super impactful for me. Like, I still, 
leaned on those times even today. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I still take away from from my time at that school was teaching about how to have a good, strong community. Yeah. Um, because let's be honest, that town had nothing else to do but hang Absolutely out with people. Absolutely So you had to form a community and <laughs> come up with stupid little games to play. Like, yeah. like remember when everybody was obsessed with water guns and like would just break the into thirsty your, games? Yeah, they'd break into oh, your yeah. dorm and just shoot you with water gun and run off screaming. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> wife, okay, so I wasn't here for this. I, it was spring break yeah. and my wife and her roommate mm-hmm. were partaking of the thirsty games and her roommate put, oh God, what'd she put in the water gun? <laughs> wasn't like cayenne pepper oh, or geez. something insane. Wow. It was spraying people in the face and they're like, what is this? What's going on? It burns. <laughs> <laughs> Just took it way too far. Oh my God. Do you remember that time that people's we... doors were getting kicked out? Yeah. Like but... literally kicked off of the hinges. Yeah. One time I went on a raid and we actually, went on a raid. We, we, we busted into someone's house and we sprayed the place up and uh, their iPad got, that was my roommate. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I His iPad got stuck in the crossfire. Yep. Um, he made us pay for a new one. Yep. And then it started working. And then it started again. working again. And do you think I got my money back? No, I did not. <laughs> but that's okay. If you're watching, you owe me money, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, but remember that time we were at we were at prayer and the leader of the school came oh, in very serious. Oh my! God. Very serious. Preached a little yes. bit and then said, "Okay, guys, like total like stern." We stern are face. sitting at our tables. Yeah, like she's like, you know, God has been speaking to me. Yeah, I mean, like, totally serious. Oh yeah, and she's like, "Everyone, we need to pray." I just want you all to close your eyes. And it was her and her two assistants. Yeah, and you gotta understand, like, like there was a culture of honor there that really respected her. Oh yeah, which you know that's wonderful. Um, and so when she said, "You know, everybody, you take close this your seriously. eyes," you take it to you took it seriously. You're like, okay, yes. I mean, everybody respected her greatly. So we we listened, and then close her eyes. Next thing you know, we're all blasted with water guns. Yeah, so she I'm lost uh, water guns. Like, I don't even know where she is. I, I, I have no idea where they came from. Suddenly, she's just got, she's just armed. And, yeah. she's, <laughs> and I was on the other side of the room. And so it started on like the left side or, or whatever yeah. was the far side for me. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, God, like, you know, creating me a clean heart. Yeah. Like, you know, like, let me be able to hear what is about to be said correctly. Yeah. Like, let me not get offended by correction. Yeah. Cause like, oh, yeah, it very seriously. You were thinking that she was going to like rebuke us. For Correct. Something. Yeah. And then we get blessed. And so, and then I just hear screaming and I'm yeah. like, what is going on? And I just see like the three of them, like dual wielding water guns. I'm like, yeah, she's a G. She's a G. <laughs> we have people kicking over tables <laughs> to hide behind them. Oh, good oh it's a good time. So you know the phrase uh, "eat the chew up the eat the meat but spit out the bones." Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, we'll take the good and then spit so out the, the things like how they taught the rapture right. and taught dispensationalism right. stuff that I think is laughably unbiblical. Yeah, we'll just we'll just remove that and hold on to. We'll the good. remember the good things. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, yeah, my turn on the mystery mug. Do we have another sound effect? For this? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, let's see what we got. All right, Brandon. Oh, it's one of yours. Oh. Did Jesus need to die on the cross? Mm. Now, you wrote this, so I assume you have... I sure did. I have thoughts. All right. So, now, I've seen I've seen this question. Um, I've seen it on our YouTube channel at mm-hmm. some point, mm-hmm. and then I've seen it just in different Facebook groups that I've been in, you know, yeah. deconstruction groups. They're asking, did Jesus need to die on the cross, mm-hmm. or could Jesus just have lived a normal life, mm-hmm. and when he died... Mm-hmm still accomplish what his death was supposed so to accomplish. What was the significance of what the was specific the manner of death? Correct. I don't know if I would, 
you know, this is a good time to put in. Once again, we're not experts. Exactly. Um, I don't know if, if certain pastors that I, I like would agree with me here, um, but that's okay. It's just my understanding right now. I don't know if the specific manner of execution was that important. I feel like that's just what the Romans were doing at the time. But I feel like the fact that he was killed by this oppressive power is extremely significant. Sure. Because that is exactly what he, what, what the whole message of Jesus was is that sure. we are, we are creating where we are bringing forth the kingdom of God. Right. The thing that he talked about more than anything was the kingdom of God, the right. kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven sits in direct opposition with the kingdoms of man. Yep. That's what most of the gospel is about. That's what revelation is all about. Is about comparing and contrasting the kingdoms of heaven with the kings of man. Mm-hmm. And Rome at the time was the biggest kingdom on earth. Absolutely. And it was it was a kingdom that p- had power through death and through violence and through killing. Right. And so Jesus was presenting my kingdom is completely opposite of that. It's not through, uh, like, I, I'm king not because I kill others, but because I give my own life. Right. I'm king not because, I, I don't enforce my kingdom through fear of death, but through my own death. Right. And um, so him being killed by that oppressive power to show I'm, I'm sacrificing myself, like I refuse to, to fight back, to take up arms against right. this, to fight fire with fire. It was a total paradigm shift for what people were expecting. Yeah, sure. They thought that their Messiah would be this Judah. Coming with a sword. Yeah, they thought that their Messiah would be like an Alexander the Great. Yep. Come to fight fire with fire, fight violence with violence. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus completely shifted that understanding and said, no, I'm not going to fight violence with violence. Right. I'm going to absorb the violence. And then like you look and, at that conversation he has with Peter, you know, yeah, where Peter's yeah. like, I will not let you die yeah. on a cross. Yeah. Like that is not going to happen. Yeah. Because Peter, let's be honest, Peter was a zealot. Yeah. Peter, I mean, he chopped the dude's ear off. Mm-hmm. Like he was trying to kill a man. Oh, he was aiming for his neck. Peter <laughs> was a zealot. Like I am right. going to kill yeah and i will be killed yeah. for this messiah because he's gonna put israel back on top baby. Yeah, yeah yeah and so like you know you, you have to like look at the lord's prayer through peter's eyes sometimes yeah where he's like you know all right god jesus teaches how to pray yeah our father wait pause <laughs> okay first off jesus i don't know if you know right but god mm-hmm. is a judge first yes, off yes and a god warrior is a warrior. Yeah. God is killing our enemies. Yeah. God wants Israel on top. Oh yeah. So uh let's let's fix the father idea. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who are in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. All right, cool. Yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Pause. <laughs> Jesus. We ain't talking about Israel is God's kingdom. All right, it's already here. Yeah. It just needs to be back on top. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. God's kingdom's already here. <laughs> and so Peter's like, man. You've got to be kidding me. Like, no, no. And then, then Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Right, right. Because I'm not coming with a sword. Exactly. I'm coming to die. Exactly. And his death absorbed all of that violence, all of the evil of of an empire. Right. All of the evil of, of man's empirical ambition and right. ruling through death. He absorbed that and died with it. Yeah. And when he died with it, that... that uh, that died too. Yeah. That, uh, that kind of um, hierarchy where those with the most violent power are on top, that died with Jesus right. when he absorbed that and died. And then he rose again to initiate now the new kingdom right. where the meek inherit the earth, you know? And, and um, so I think that his death was extremely important rather than just like, oh, why couldn't he have just died of old age or something? Sure. Now, like I said, though, 
Does it matter if it was on a cross or if it was another form of execution? That I don't know. See, I think he, I personally believe that he needed to be executed. Well, yeah, executed, but I mean like right. different so, ways yeah. of that happening. Because I don't know. I think that also fulfills a lot of the prophecies in the Old Testament talking about the Messiah. Right. You know, right. dying a sinner's death, being flogged for our sins and mm-hmm. iniquities, all that jazz. Yeah. A lot of these scriptures that we have talking about healing come from the Old Testament. Right. Because they talk about how Jesus was going to die. Right, right. And, you know, was inevitably going to die. And so I personally believe, you know, to answer that question, like, I think Jesus needed to be killed. Yes. Like, I don't think... He needed to... He, he needed wouldn't to. have fulfilled the prophecies of old mm-hmm. the way they needed to be mm-hmm. if he had just gone on to live until he was like, you know, 75 and just passed right. away peacefully in his sleep. Now, the other important part of this conversation, though, is to remember that God did not kill Jesus. God did not kill Jesus. Jesus on the cross was not God murdering Jesus. Correct. It wasn't that God was so cosmically pissed off that he had to kill someone. And so Jesus stepped in and said, I'll be the sacrifice. Right. What you see on the cross is God through Jesus, in Jesus, partnering with Jesus, if you want to say it that way, defeating death itself by through through self-sacrifice. Yeah. Jesus very willingly gave his life. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that Jesus and God are two in one. You yes. Know, have the Holy Spirit in three in one. So whenever Jesus goes to the cross, that's not just Jesus going to the cross. Yeah. That is God going to the cross. Exactly. And so to say that God killed Jesus would say that God killed God. Yeah, exactly. So it's not that God was so mad about sin that he killed someone. It was that God, through Jesus, defeated death itself. Correct. That Now, death still occurs. We still right. die. Right. But Paul said, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? We don't face the penalty of exactly. death Exactly. Death, death may still be a thing, but it doesn't hurt. Right. You know, people ask me on, on TikTok, you know, when they're trying to figure out where my theology is, I'll say, you know, well, what do you think happens when we die? And it's, an, you know, it's kind of tricky because you say, well, we go to heaven, but then it's like, well, but then I believe heaven comes to earth. And right. It's, it's maybe, maybe you know, it says a dead and Christ will raise. Maybe you stay like in, in a paradise type place. It, it gets kind Abraham's of... Abraham's bosom. Yeah, it gets kind of, kind of hard. It's kind so of murky. Just a good way to simplify it is what, what will happen when we die? It won't sting. Right. It ain't going to hurt. Whatever happens, it won't sting. You'll enjoy whatever it is. Yeah, because that's what Paul says, is that because of Jesus' death, through Jesus' death, he defeated death itself, and now death has no sting. Right. Um, Which is awesome. Yeah, I like it. Go ahead. All right, back into the cup. Yes, mystery cup again. Oh, back in the box. (laughs) What do we got? All right, let's see. Oh, this one looks good. Oh, yeah. They all just look like pieces of paper, so I don't know how you... Joey. Yes. Should Christians date? Absolutely Christians should date. All right, let's talk some purity culture. (laughs) Yes, Christians should date. Oh, man. Um, So we do not at all believe in kissing, dating, goodbye. Uh, No. We don't believe in the mission or the mentality of true love waits. No. We believe in true love dates. Amen. Um, I remember... Um, back at that, another Bible college story. Um, so in our first year at the school, uh, dating was prohibited. Which they've changed now, which yeah. I don't appreciate. Yeah, it's like, we had to go through that. You should have <laughs> suffered with me. Now, <laughs> quick caveat, okay? okay? Okay. I will say this. I'm glad I couldn't date in my first year because I had a girlfriend in high school mm. and my wife had a boyfriend in high school. So it forced that we both had to break the two up of you with, to break up nice. Which was good though because it wasn't a very healthy relationship for either one of us that we were in. Nice. And nice. so it kind of both gave us like a little so we're going to this Christian school and we can't date. Yeah. So uh bye. No, that's awesome. And that that's great, but 
I also remember in our first year, there was a couple that was engaged to be married, but their wedding was pushed back till after the school oh, year. Oh, I didn't know this. And they made them call off their engagement during the time that they're in school. No way. Yeah, they had to stop calling each other fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend. But they weren't just dating. Like They, they were, were They were engaged. Interesting. Yeah, but they still made them... Did they end up getting married? Yeah, okay, yeah. That was good. No, I haven't talked to them in years, so I mean, but yes, sure. as far as I know, they ended up getting married. Huh. But yeah, it's just, it's a little interesting. And I think even they themselves realize it's kind of weird because right. clearly they changed their mind on it. Because by the second year, they released a statement saying, guys, we've changed our rule. Dating's okay now. And when that memo came out. Dude, I heard you. <laughs> so Joey went to the school a year before I did. Yes. So initially, second years couldn't even date, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So whenever I went, first years couldn't date. You could date when you were second year. Yes. And Joey, whenever Joey first started going, neither first nor second years could date. Yes, that's right. And so I remember hearing stories about this memo. Oh, really? And <laughs> your class going insane. Oh, everybody started. started <laughs> Christian hooking up. Okay. If, it's, if hooking, Holding hands. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, does hook up refer to just having sex or could that just refer to like... No, you're hooking up your hands. Right. <laughs> the Christian hookup anyway. Yeah. So the, the memo went out and that like as soon as it came out, I oh, was yeah. texting Valerie. <laughs> Like, hey, what, what, what you doing? Let's hang out. <laughs> so, uh, what you doing Saturday? Yeah, girl. Oh man, so funny. Um, so we started we started dating immediately. We were the first couple in in that school to date, at least that school year. Oh wow! And so we had a ton of attention on us, sure. a lot of unwanted attention. Oh, I bet. Um, we had people just fixated on the fact that we were dating. You know what you were getting yourself into? Well, you know, honestly, I was actually a little naive. I thought I thought everybody would be dating. You know, mm-hmm. and people did eventually start hooking up, but like it, it took a while. For right. a while there, it was really just Valerie and I and like one other couple in our school. It's interesting to me. Yeah, for, for a good while there. And it was so weird how Christians are about dating. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had some people who were happy for us, genuinely. We had some people who were really obviously jealous and mm-hmm. weird and like just clearly like, you sh- right. you know, but a lot of people were just like, like acting as if it was sin. They kind of would watch us like, are they supposed to be sitting next to each other? Is that okay? I mean, I know they're dating, but is this allowed? Aren't they kind of with each other a lot? I mean, I saw them talking yesterday. Now they're talking again today. Like, and I heard like they text each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like my friend it, it, it lives in his dorm and they're all, he says they're texting all the time. I mean, like I, she went over to his house. Yeah. It's it, the people were, I mean, there were other people there, but she <laughs> was there too. It was a group of 10, but still that's but, weird. I mean, she was there <laughs> and they were talking even at the house. Oh my goodness. It was very strange. I remember we would like one time, we only let this happen once. <laughs> one time we were in a bit of an argument. And so we, we got into an argument like the, the morning of classes. Sure. And so we didn't sit together because oh, we were kind man. of arguing. And so over. We, didn't, we didn't argue in front of people, but they noticed we weren't sitting together. <laughs> and it was the big talk of the day. Everybody thought that we had broken up. And those people who were like... Thinking that that it was a sin, yep. or who were even jealous, they That's were the punishment. Of they God. loved it. Oh, I they bet. were like, "Oh, good, this is." I saw this. God's coming. finally convicted them. Like, God got to them. Yeah, and then we got, got Mary just to rub it in their face. No, I'm exactly. But this has been a very <laughs> long play. Yeah, just oh man. But Christians are weird about dating, and I don't get it. I don't know if it's if it's just all from purity culture or if it's just. What do you think? Why why are Christians so weird about dating? Um, because they want to have sex, but they're afraid that they're going to go to hell if they have sex before they're married. 
That very well could be a part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's also why a lot of Christians get married so young. Right. Because they just want to have sex. Right. And then we also fall into specific roles of what we think a husband's supposed to be, what we think sure. a wife is supposed to be. And then, you know, you end up in marriages where a lot of times there's not actual happiness because you guys don't know each other very well. Right. You got married when you were not even old enough to, to like get a hotel room yet. Yep. <laughs> you know, you can't, you, you had no alcohol at your wedding, not because you were Christian, but because you weren't you old weren't. enough to drink, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, and you've only known each other for like a half of one school year. Right. Now suddenly you're thrown into this life of, of adulthood, yeah. you know, and, and the wife is thinking like, well, I'm supposed to be a godly woman, you know, as made to oh, be yeah. as help meet as, as Debbie Pearl says. Yep. And so she falls into this, like, I have to be this like servant of a wife basically. And I have to just, my whole purpose is to have children for this man. Right. And so we just like try to fill the void of happiness with more kids. Right. You know? And you have a husband who thinks like, I'm the breadwinner. I'm the, I'm the leader of this I'm house. I'm the protector. I say what goes and she serves me. It, it it's a structure. Purity culture is a structure from which misogyny yeah. can easily flourish. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the Christian weirdness about dating primes us for that. Yeah. Because dating is so awkward and so weird in Christian circles that that helps us want to get married faster. Right. And and listen, I'm talking about like, go date someone. Mm-hmm. Just like, and we, you have the whole Christian thing of like, are you dating them or are you courting, courting them? courtship? Oh my like, God. No, just yeah. Go date some people, figure out what you like. You don't know what you like yet. Yeah. I mean like that's okay. So that I will say like, that is one of my favorite things about having, you know, that whole dating restriction placed on us is mm-hmm. me and my wife really were just good friends yeah. for our, like I want to say our entire first year because my wife really did not like me when we first met. <laughs> she did not. She still like hates me. me. She still hates you. <laughs> And so, I mean, like, there was one time, okay, so she was greeting, it was either conference or service, whatever, so she was, you know, standing at the door, and I just walked through, didn't say anything to her, What like, wasn't rude, didn't do nothing, and she looks over at the girl that she's greeting with, and she's like, he is so annoying and unattractive. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I'm like, ooh, looky there, loser, guess who married the ugly guy? (laughs) You did. It's amazing how how cruel (laughs) she can be. (laughs) So she had a lot. She she had a lot of that shit. Oh my and god! And so, uh, so I told her I was like, "Listen, by the end of this year, you and I are gonna be friends." And mm. she's like, "That is not gonna happen." And I was like, "Oh, yes, you wait." Wow. And so you know, we just very. I mean, we got partnered up as dance partners, and you know, we just became really, really good friends. Yeah. And then we started dating at the end of the year. Um, dated for a year and a half, which was way too long for some people. Yeah. They thought you know they're like. Oh, some people want you to get married immediately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so we were engaged for six months, got married. You know, we just, this past March was our six-year anniversary. So, I mean, like, getting married young isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sure. But I would definitely say that we are the exception, not the rule. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there are people that I know that went that I went to high school with that they're on their second or third marriage already mm-hmm. because they got married young and they didn't know what they wanted. Like, yeah. both me and my wife knew what we wanted life to look like. Yeah. Well, there are even people from, from the school that yeah. got married out of that school and, right. and ended up divorced, you know, and I'm not saying anything against them at all. No. I'm just saying that that is what our Christian dating world creates. Right. It, it we we you, create a culture of you need to know exactly what you want at 18. Yes. And find somebody mm-hmm. that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Yep. Yep. That you know 
six, you know, two days mm-hmm. after you meet this person, this is the person I'm going to spend my entire life with. Yeah. And, and then once you start dating, you really need to get married fast because you can't have sex. And right. You're a horny teenager. Yep. And because Christians are so weird about dating that you feel uncomfortable having all this attention on you. So you're like, I just got to marry this exactly. girl so that they'll get off my back. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, back to the cup. Yeah. Well, one more thing though. Okay. I just also think that it's, it's, frustrating how we're told to look for our spouses yeah. because women are told basically don't go looking. God will provide. God will provide the perfect man. I remember we had classes. We had prayer time about our spouses where they had us write out on pieces of paper what we prophetically were seeing about our spouse and what we wanted our spouse to be essentially. And then we had to pray for our future spouse, not knowing who that spouse was, of course. Of course. And so we'd we'd write out things like, you know, she she will be a great mother, you know, and she will love the Lord and she will be into the same hobbies as me, like whatever. And we pray into that. And, and But then we're not supposed to go looking for that person. We're supposed to believe in faith that God will provide. Right. And the weird thing about that is that if you do go dating, I even had one, one person who was leading this say that you shouldn't date around because that person that you are currently dating, if you're not going to marry them, that means that that person's going to marry someone else. So what you're actually doing is you're cheating and with someone else's spouse. Yeah, and then we're falling into the uh, the one trap. Exactly. And also, li- listen, to all our listeners out there, there is no such thing as the one. Yes, one go there. how I know why there's no such thing as the one. Tell them. Because <laughs> the idea mm-hmm. that every single person in human history, mm-hmm. up to you, has married the correct person, yeah. is insane to me. If, because yeah. if one person gets it wrong, then the one for you got screwed up a hundred years ago. Yeah, exactly. Or a thousand years ago. It's a chain reaction. We all get it is the an, wrong person. You, <laughs> you cannot avoid this chain reaction. It yeah. is impossible for you to avoid this chain reaction if one person got it wrong. Right, so there is no the one. But literally, a, like a teacher yeah. saying like, you're telling guys, don't go dating around because what you're doing is you are you are cheating with someone else's wife. Right. Even though that girl is not married yet. Nope. But she's betrothed in the spirit, I guess, yeah. to some other man. Yep. And so that by she's dating, not even met yet. That possible. she's not met, that you don't know. Who knows? He could be from some other state. Like, oh, yeah. But, but somewhere out there, there's someone that God wants them to be together. So if you date her now, you're causing infidelity, even though they're not married yet. There's no logic to that at all. No. And so then we end up just sitting around expecting a spouse to materialize. Right. And then once once we do find someone who's into you, you're like, well, this must this be is it. the one. Yep. So don't look for red flags. Don't take a breather. Don't right. look into this. Right. Don't, you know, don't just marry. Just immediate marry. Yep. And I will say, there may not be a thing as the one, mm-hmm. but the point is becoming the one. Yes, becoming the one. And that is sure. what we miss so often in the mm-hmm. Christian dating circle is we think that God is going to drop this perfect person into our lap and it's just going to be perfect. Yeah. It's going to be smooth sailing and they're going to, we're going to fit together like two puzzle pieces and you know, all this crap. Complementarianism. Don't get me started. (laughs) But not even complementarianism, you know, the, the typical way of thinking about it, but this idea that we're a perfect mirror, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, everything will be perfect right out the bat. And though as soon as you start dating, as soon as you say, I do, everything is going to be smooth sailing removed so much personal responsibility for you to become a better person. Right, exactly. And it's what frustrates me so badly. And that's why we get into such toxic relationships. And it's why we get into such toxic marriages Mm -hmm. because you're expecting this person to be perfect for you. Mm -hmm. When in reality, 
you should be becoming perfect for them. Exactly. Because marriage is about uh, equal partnership. Right. It's not about she has to be perfect and serve me or 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 he has to be perfect for me to you know serve or whatever. Right. It's about an equal partnership yep. where both people are genuinely committed to the benefit of the other person. Correct. And and even that means self-sacrifice right. for the other person's benefit. If both are, are genuinely committed to that and are equal, you know, that that's how you have a, a healthy marriage. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of the Christian views of dating and marriage don't set up for that healthy no. idea because instead we have this hierarchical structure. Right. Um, but that's a big thing to get into. So, and <laughs> Quick <laughs> thing. This is probably going to be way too deep of a statement to make and okay. just move on from, but I'm going to make it. We're going to move on from it. Let's do it. Okay. Husbands that believe wives submit to your husbands mm-hmm. to a T. Mm-hmm. Okay. My wife does submit to me. Why don't she submitting to chase your dreams? Do what you feel like God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. That's what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. And she is perfectly fine submitting, submitting to that idea. Your quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. that is what the husband should be doing. Because if we're supposed to live for our wives, like Christ lives for the church. Yeah. I know it dies, but Jesus yeah. died sacrificing himself so the church mm-hmm. could go on to thrive. So by submitting to to Jesus, you're not like a slave. Correct. You are you're being enabled you're to being, do everything you were called to do. Submitting to Jesus is not setting up to be a slave. It, submitting to Jesus is being empowered to be who you're supposed to be. Correct. And being loved unconditionally and being pulled to your best self. And so if a husband thinks that wives submit means that I get to boss her around. No, it means you do everything in your power to make sure that your wife is able to be everything that God called her to be. Exactly. And if that includes you laying down your life, because here's the thing is Jesus laid down his life. He has making so much money. He needed a treasurer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jesus was in the prime of his ministry. That's why Peter was so upset that Jesus said, I'm going to go die. Mm -hmm. Because Peter's like, everything's going right right now. What are you talking about? You're going to go die. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus sacrificed not only his life, but this incredible ministry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the church. Right. So husbands, lay down your lives. Exactly. Lay down everything you feel like God is calling you to do so your wife can be empowered to do what she feels like she's called. Exactly. Those verses are not God saying it's okay for men to be the boss, to rule their wife and to boss her around. Those verses are God saying men, like... Be willing to die for your wife, yeah. essentially, and, and and you know also then says and hus- and wives submit to your husbands, husbands. Those are actually both not presented as really even different things. They're no. basically just rewording of the same. Correct. Thing. It's the exact same. The, the Bible. Thing. The Bible authors did that all the time, including in the Old Testament, in the Psalms. You'll see Psalms where the same sort of thought is just repeated but different word, differently right. worded. Um, but like one line after the other is basically saying the same thing. Yep. It's actually the same thing there. He's not saying two separate things. Like okay. I love you, you submit, these are separate things. He's basically rewording the same thing. Correct. And so what he's really presenting is an equal partnership. Right. Not one above the other. What is dying for someone but submitting your life to them? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. The same thing. So, so, but people think that, oh, that's like a ladder, so man's on top. It's like, no, you no. don't understand how to read We're what right Paul's here. saying. Yeah. We're right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I think we might have time for one more. Joey, one more cup question. Was I the last one who? Uh, no, I, I was. Okay. I so will, we're going to end on you. Okay. What do we have Ooh, here? Big cup. Okay. What is the Bible even for? Mm. That's a big question. Joey, what is the Bible even for? I will tell you, I'm disappointed we didn't get the devil card. But we'll just have to do a whole episode about the devil. We'll have to do a whole episode about the devil. Yes. That has nothing to do with what the Bible's for. It has nothing to do with that. Okay, what is the Bible even for? So let's talk hermeneutics. Uh, 
I was always raised with the um, evangelical understanding yep. that the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth. Correct. You know, it was our rule book for life. Yep. And so that actually caused a lot of uh, stress. Sure. Because when you start actually reading the Bible, you come up to some verses that are really hard to Real apply tricky. as a rule book. Sort Real of. tricky. Yeah. Uh, and so Pete Enns, um, who I would love to have on our podcast someday. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're listening, Pete. Pete, Enns. we know you're a big fan. <laughs> right. Oh, man. But he's. Open invitation whenever you want to come on. Just do this to the email. Oh, man. Uh, but he, he's great. And, and he wrote um, The Bible Tells Me So. Yep. Which I read like two years ago, whatever it was. And um, one of the things he talks about is how when we view the Bible as being our instructions or we read it very literally um, and then we find these verses that are hard to deal with like the extreme violence of the Old Testament we end up stressing yep trying to figure out how do we make this fit into this into our idea of what the Bible should be right I think the Bible should be literal rule book for life but then I have this verse about slaves like, obey your masters. Slaves obey your masters. Or I have this verse about wind based on the church. We have Old Testament verses about people like killing children. Correct. By like throwing them against rocks. Right. It's like, how do I make that fit into what I thought the Bible was supposed to be? And and you end up having to basically, uh, well, become an apologist and basically try right. to work around that stuff and sugarcoat it and when he's saying what you really should do is just understand that the Bible is a collection of many books written by lots of different people yep. and that it was not intended to be read as a literal instruction book. Right. That's never what any of the authors thought it would be right. or what even God intended for it to be. Correct. Um, what it is, is it is the story of man's growing understanding of who God is. Right. Um, I, I, another way of saying it is it's man's progressive revelation of God. Right. Um, now I'm careful with that though, because people hear the word progressive and they go, and off they go handle, crazy about go it. Wild. Calm down. I'm just using the word to mean it's Chill. growing over time. Progress. Yeah. I'm not saying progress. Anyway, um, people freak out about that word, but anyway, it is, it is the bird's eye view of mankind's growing understanding of who God is. Right. So that we start with people who did not know God very well yet, yep. who were just learning about this God, Yahweh. Right. You start with people who, who were, were growing out of that, uh, where they were influenced by their culture. They're influenced by the cultures around them. Yep. You know, a lot of our earliest understandings of the devil actually come from Zoroastrianism more than right. Christianity because, because they were influenced by other religions. Yeah. And then we watch as that society over time learns more and more about God until they finally get to Jesus and Jesus sets the record straight. And then Paul says, you know, words like, you know, when we read the Bible, when we mm-hmm. thought about God before Jesus, it was like viewing it through a veil. Exactly. Yeah. He actually, And he also says through a glass dim darkly. Right. And so he's saying if you look for God in the Old Testament, it's like looking at him through a veil. You can see kind of a shadowy figure, but right. you can't see him fully. And here's the fun thing about the Old Testament too is God in the Old Testament isn't even always really the God character. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, mm -hmm. okay? What is more God-like according to Jesus Mm -hmm. in this story? Mm -hmm. God saying, I'm going to kill everybody, or Abraham saying, but will you spare the 10? Yes. Will you spare the five? Who is Will you spare the one? Yeah. Who's more God-like in that story? God or Abraham? Mm -hmm. Abraham. Mm -hmm. Abraham is. Because 
it's teaching us that God is in humanity as well, yes. which is fully seen in Jesus. Whenever Jesus comes and says, I am fully God mm-hmm. and fully man. Exactly. And a lot of the stories are not only telling us who God is, but some of them are also telling us who God isn't. Right. And so they're, still, they're teaching us through his attributes and through the things that he is not like. Right. And so some of the stories of God's violence are more of, a, of actually showing what God is not like. Exactly. Like God is not like the God character in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's more like Abraham. Yes. Wanting to save everybody. Because the authors were not telling a literal history. They were telling stories from which they could teach their faith. Right. And it's so, because whenever we don't read the Bible correctly, mm-hmm. you have the God in Sodom and Gomorrah saying, I'm just going to kill everybody. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tired. I'm just going to kill everybody. You have Joshua okay. believing that God told him to commit genocide. Right. And then you have um, Jonah mm-hmm. with the God in Nineveh saying, I will put this ship in the ocean if you do not turn around mm-hmm. and go preach, you know, what was considered the gospel at that time because Jesus hadn't come yet, so it wasn't really gospel, right, no, but preaching about God. Yeah. And so God's like, I will do everything that I need to do to get you to go reach those people. Right. Including right. sink this ship and have a big old fish pick you up and send you over there mm-hmm. until you go tell people about me. Right. And then you have God saying, screw it, I'm done with everybody, I'm just going to kill everybody. In Sodom and Gomorrah. In Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Totally so, different. Two completely juxtaposed gods mm-hmm. because we think they're both supposed to be God. No, they're both telling the story about God. Yes. They just need to be read correctly. Where in Jonah, we're reading about God as he is. Right. And in Sodom and Gomorrah, we're reading about what God, God is not God as like, he isn't. Which is meant to, in us, uh, basically challenge our expectations. Right. When we read Sodom and Gomorrah, are we hoping that God would destroy the town? Are we happy that it happened? That should confront in us our own violent nature. Right. And our own hope for what we that we want God to be violent. Or should, are we Abraham saying, just if, if there's a hundred people, yeah. will you spare the city? Exactly. We should be like Abraham. Right. But because we think the Bible is literal, we think that, well, no, God wanted to kill them, so we got to side with God. And is. so we reject our own sympathy pathetic nature to be like Abraham. We reject our own leanings to like actually be more like him be like, God, why did, would you destroy that whole town? Right. And embrace like, I guess he's supposed to be violent. And then we end up less like God, right. ironically, by trying to be like what we think he is. Right. But just because we're reading it wrongly. You also have, you also have the tale of the two Joshuas, you know, mm-hmm. you have Joshua and then Jesus, whose actual name is Yeshua, which, which actually translates Joshua. to Joshua. So you really have two Joshuas in the Bible and they completely contradict each other. Yep. You have one Joshua who believed that God was a warlord yep. who received glory through bloodshed Correct. and who believed in, that God told him to go commit genocide. Which was the cultural norm at that time. That's what gods were. Right. Now you have Jesus, the second Joshua, saying the complete opposite, saying, love your enemies, put down your sword, you know, saying, turn the other cheek. Right. And dying rather than killing. Give your enemy your coat. Yeah. And then he sacrifices his own life rather than storm into battle like Joshua. Right. So what happened? Did God change? No. What happened was man's understanding of who God was in the time of Joshua was not complete. Right. They didn't have the revelation of Christ yet. Right. And so they believed God was violent. Yeah. Because, again, I know we're, I mean, I know I keep bringing up Peter, but, you know, he's kind of my boy. Mm-hmm. Peter didn't even understand the message that Jesus was trying to preach. Exactly. Because like, again, I don't understand why you're, why you are dying. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to be the Messiah. You're supposed to be like Joshua. There were a lot of messiahs yeah. throughout the Bible. Oh yeah. Yeah. Moses was a messiah. Yeah. Noah was a messiah. Joshua was a messiah. These were all people. Judas Maccabeus too. Not, 
yeah, these were all people that were there to save Israel. Mm -hmm. That is what Messiah means, Savior. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So people saw Moses like a Savior. People saw Noah like a Savior. Right. And Jesus is saying, no, no. See, that's where they messed up. Mm -hmm. They were trying to save through killing everybody else. Right. I am going to actually save you because, one, I'm God. Mm -hmm. And, two, because I'm going to show you that the correct way to do this is to lay down your own life. Exactly. So Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. I know you thought you saw the Father in the Old Testament stories. I know know, what Moses said. I know Moses thought he saw the Father fully. But I, when you see me, you're seeing the Father. So you, when you look at Jesus, are seeing the Father more clearly than Moses did. Right. And... You know, that is why uh, a lot of Jesus's uh, behavior in the New Testament is actually in contradiction or in correction of the Old Testament. Right. You have him doing things that the Old Testament, you know, believers of the time, the Pharisees, uh, did not understand and disagreed with. Right. And you even have that continuing in Acts. You know, I mentioned in our last episode how the story of Peter on the roof. Yep. Thinking that, you know, you can't eat certain meats and God telling him, no, it's okay. Don't, anything that I've called clean is clean. Right. It's okay. And so he is completely contradicting a very important Old Testament law. Oh, yeah. Because he's showing what you believed back then, you know, isn't was not fully the truth, right. basically. It was it, your own understanding It was at that a time. shadow. Yes. Of what I was actually trying to show you. Exactly. That's why, you know, you even have the practice of sacrifice, where the ancient Israelites thought that God wanted sacrifice, but then already, even by the Psalms, by David, we're already seeing man's progressive understanding move away from that. When David says, you know, you haven't wanted sacrifices. Sacrifice was never something you wanted. (laughs) Right. And then by... You, Israel, wanted to sacrifice things. Yes, yes, exactly. And then you have Jesus coming and he quotes that psalm and and agrees yes i never wanted your sacrifices so the bible what is the bible for the bible is for us to understand man's journey of figuring out who god is right that's why jacob wrestled with god right that's why israel means to wrestle with god yeah because the bible is an invitation for us to wrestle with god the same way jacob did yeah and to grow in our understanding of who he is it's not a literal, you know, rule book of life. It is an, it is a journey yeah. that we're all still on today of slowly realizing more and more of who he is. Right. And the answer is he is Jesus. Mm-hmm. What is God actually like? Is he like Moses's God? Is he like Joshua's God? God is like Jesus. Right. Jesus is our clear picture of who God is. And that is to me why the Bible is so important though. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have got to stop worshiping the Bible. Yes. Okay. The Bible is not a fourth part of the Trinity. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The Bible is not God. The Bible is not Jesus. The Bible is not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Bible is how we understand those three. Exactly. The Bible is our tool to, under, to, to lead us to Jesus. That is what the Bible is. The Bible is a tool. Mm-hmm. And it's a very important one. It's one that, w- that literally went through, you know, decades and mm-hmm. centuries of being crafted mm-hmm. by, you know, the early church fathers and right. saying, what does and what does not tell the story of Jesus in the most true way. Exactly. And, and, and when you accept the Bible as that, you don't get hung up over things like, well, what if this letter from Paul was really written by Paul or was a forgery? Right. Exactly. Or, well, what about the books they left out? Why did they leave that out? Like it's a big right. conspiracy. Look, it, 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 because I the believe, Bible, I yeah. believe that the Bible was inspired. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's inerrant. I don't think it's infallible. Right. I think it is 100% true, though, mm-hmm. when read in the proper context. Yes. I love the way that Brian Zahn explains infallible uh, for the Bible. He says, the Bible is infallible 
in doing what it's meant to do. Yeah, that's so good. It's not infallible in doing the things it was never meant to do. Right. So it's not infallible in telling me how the earth was formed scientifically. Right. You know, it's not infallible in telling me the archaeologically sound history of ancient Israel. Yep. It is infallible in what it's meant to do. And what it's meant to do is lead me to Jesus. Right. And in that, it's infallible. Yeah. So, um, what the Bible is even for is to learn the story of God and man and how Jesus reconciles those two things back together. Exactly. And then being invited to live that same story. Yeah. It's a, like, I love the picture too that Paul paints of things, you know, viewing mm-hmm. things as though it were a shadow, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because you have, you know, you have the Old Testament and then you have Jesus and mm-hmm. Jesus is the light that shines forward. Right. Okay? Right. And so Jesus being that shining light, everything in the Old Testament is just a shadow. Mm-hmm. of what Jesus is supposed to be. Exactly. You get, oh, dude, one of my favorite things too, after I, you know, after I started understanding this concept is going back and finding Jesus in the old Testament. Yes. When yes. you look at the Levitical laws and seeing all the mm-hmm. things that Jesus was in those Levitical laws, but they didn't understand that at the time. Yeah. They thought they were literal laws that had to be followed. They thought, you know, like mm-hmm. when you look at how they had to make bread or whenever they had mm-hmm. to, how they had to build temples and all these different things, all these right. different specifications. Right, and you right, go right. through and you look at the life of Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus was genuinely the fulfillment of every single thing in the Old Testament mm-hmm. in a man. Yeah. Because they were so set on like, oh, this is literally what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And he fulfilled it because Jesus is the actual word of God. Right. Jesus. Whenever John is talking about the word, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Right. He was not talking about the Bible. Yes, I've heard Because people, the Bible wasn't even written when John was talking about the I, word. I've heard people use that verse in John 1 and replace the word with the Bible. In the beginning was That's the Bible. That's so heretical. It's so stupid. The, when, God, when, when the Bible says the word, they even say, um, you know, every you know, word of scripture is inspired. They'll use things like that. But when the Bible yep. talks about the word of God with a capital W... It's talking about Jesus. Correct. It's not talking about a physical book. Right. Jesus, Jesus is the word. was the words that God was saying exactly. to humanity. Exactly. Because Jesus or God was communicating to humanity through the man Jesus. Right. So in other words, another Zon quote for you. Shocker. You can't tell I'm a little obsessed. But what he says is, Jesus is what God has to say. Yeah. Jesus is the word of God. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is exactly what God has to say. Yep. And he speaks to humanity through him. So so when people say that the Bible is not the real word of God, Jesus is the real word of God, a lot of biblicism people get all upset about that. Sure. You're saying the Bible is not the word? I'm saying that that title is actually meant to be applied to Jesus himself. Right. The Bible is just our tool to learn about Jesus. The Bible are words about God. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. I know this was a really long episode for us, uh, but I I hope that you guys stuck around and and got something out of this. I had a lot of fun. I did, too. Um, And I think our best episodes are the ones where we're just enjoying it. Right. So I think this is a good one. Um, But we're going to have a lot more to say soon. We still have a few more of these. We still have. I don't know if we're going to do another Mystery Mug episode for a little while. We'll wait and see what you guys thought of it. Yeah. If you want us to do more of these kind of, you know, off-the-cuff random topic episodes. I enjoy them. I I do, too. Um, So if you guys want more of this, let us know, please. Uh, Down in the comments below. Yeah, because we'll keep doing them. But um, anyway, guys, thanks again for being here. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video, subscribe to our channel. We have new episodes every Monday. And uh, we're really excited about some stuff we have planned out. Some guests coming up pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, So you want to be here for that. And also, if you feel so inclined, join our Patreon. 
It's a fun time. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it really is. Three bucks a month, and you have access to our Discord server. Yeah. Um, we're in there constantly just chatting, talking about the episodes, talking about life. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. Talking about jobs and just, yeah. you know, just finding community. Like, if, yeah. if you're having trouble finding a community in person, mm-hmm. you know, in your area or whatever, join our Discord. Yeah. And just come find some people that are in the exact same stage of life as you. Yeah. Trying to figure out the exact same questions, wrestling with the exact same issues. Yeah. And let's, you know. Let's hang out. Let's be friends. So, so if you want, join our Patreon. We'd, it'd mean the world to us. And uh, again, thank you guys, and we will see you next week. We'll see you later. <laughs>